0: Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon titled, Everybody Loves Afraid, at Reverend Marvin Lindsay preached for Palm Sunday, 2023. It's based on Matthew's account of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus has come to Jerusalem. His disciples, his core leadership team, are with him. And so are the women who have been bankrolling his ministry to this point. And so is a large crowd of people who are following this man for a variety of reasons. Some have been spellbound by his teaching. Some have been healed by him of their diseases. Some were poor and he broke bread and miraculously fed them. They are all gathering around him as he approaches the holy city. And there is an atmosphere of excitement in the air, jubilation even. Palm branches are cut. People wave them as he passes by on the donkey. Others take their coats off and throw them before him as he is walking along, as the donkey is bearing him along. It may even be something of an inauguration parade. That this parade is taking on the character of. Passover, of course, is the holiday that Jesus uh, is coming to Jerusalem to celebrate. And Passover commemorated the victory of God over the Egyptians. And the liberation of the Israelite people from slavery. Maybe Jesus is going to go up to Jerusalem and enact a new exodus. Maybe he's going to overthrow the Romans the way that God long, long before had overthrown the Egyptians. Excitement is in the air, it's crackling Like the few moments before yesterday's severe storms Theologians and monks and bishops in the middle ages Like to teach their congregations That every verse of scripture Even every word of scripture Was endowed with multiple layers of meaning uh, Take this word Jerusalem for example The name of the city that Jesus is going toward uh, this word in particular had just layers and layers of meaning that the uh, doctors of the church could uncover. At the literal level, Jerusalem is a city in Judea, but the theologians would interpret that word and all words in other symbolic ways. For instance, every word, every passage of scripture had a moral teaching, and in this light, Jerusalem could be taken to, uh, uh, to be a representation of the human heart. And every passage, every word of scripture also had some sort of meaning as with regards to the church. And Jerusalem was often interpreted as the church itself. And then finally, every passage of scripture, every word of scripture was understood to have something to say about the next life. About the kingdom that is to come. About heaven, our final destination. And Jerusalem was often understood as heaven itself. And so, I want to talk about Jerusalem... This day in those more symbolic senses of the word, Uh, not just as a place that Jesus rode a donkey to long time ago, Uh, but I think that at these more symbolic levels, we can see ourselves in the crowd and we can see the promise and the hope of Jesus who approaches us even today and maybe understand a little bit about our own resistance to him. For if you know the story of this week that's about to unfold, you know that the story uh Deteriorates into massive resistance against Jesus, only to see a massive and overwhelming victory by God through this man Jesus on Easter Sunday. Now, if we're talking about resistance to Jesus, it seems like that would be a strange thing to talk about, especially in a congregation of the faithful. If Jesus were coming to us, if Jesus were approaching us today, of course we would let him in to our hearts, to our cities to our churches, wouldn't we? We who are sick, we who are weighed down by the aches and pains of aging, we would love for Jesus to come to us and to lay his hands on us and to heal us as he healed those of long ago. Many of us live lonely and isolated lives. That loneliness and isolation was exacerbated by the pandemic. And we remember how Jesus in his earthly ministry was a friend to the friendless. We would love for Jesus to come into our homes, to sit with us for a little while. He always had time for everybody, for the little children, for anybody who wanted to spend time with him. We would love for Jesus to approach us today, wouldn't we? We are so sick and tired of reading stories in the news about dictators who trample on human rights abroad, about Corrupt politicians and leaders in the public square here at home. If Jesus were on the ballot, we would vote for him, wouldn't we? I mean, isn't that the kind of leadership we need in this day and age? Wouldn't we we just desire him to come into our communities and into our nation and into our state and clean house? We want Jesus to come here. You know, there are a lot more empty seats in churches these days than there were a generation ago. Jesus. That man, now he could draw a crowd, couldn't he? Wouldn't we want Jesus in our church on Sunday morning? He could fill this place to overflow. We want him. Or do we? Let me tell you a story about uh, a trip that I took to Israel and Palestine in 2006. I went with a group of Protestant clergy, and one day our guide took us to the Mount of Olives, and we sort of retraced the steps that Jesus and that crowd took on Palm Sunday long ago. We walked down the Mount of Olives and we saw the place where it said that Jesus uh, wept and prayed on uh, Monday, Thursday in the Garden of Gethsemane. But before we got down the hill, our guide pointed out to us the wall of the old city of Jerusalem. And above the wall, you could see the gleaming gold dome of the Dome of the Rock, which is built where the Jewish temple used to stand. And around the old city and in the walls, there are various gates where people have access to the old city. But our tour guide pointed us to one place where the wall was sort of discolored. And he said that that is the location of what used to be known as the Golden Gate, a gate that faced the Kidron Valley and the Mount of Olives, opposite of Jerusalem. And our tour guide, and I should say, just because he says this doesn't make it true. You know, tour guides sometimes tell you what they want to hear, what they think you want to hear. But anyway, this is the story that he told us. He said that when Suleiman the Magnificent, uh, what a great, what a magnificent name, Suleiman the Magnificent became the ruler of the Holy Land in the 16th century, he was a Turkish sultan. He understood that the Jewish residents of Jerusalem were praying for the Messiah to come. And he also heard rumors that the Christian residents of the city were praying for the Messiah to come again. And Suleiman thought to himself, well, this is my city now. Ain't no thinking Messiah going to come take away this city from me. And he heard that everyone, both Jews and Christians, was expecting the Messiah to come or come again from the Mount of Olives, from east of the city. So he blocked up the Golden Gate entrance that faced the Mount of Olives. And not only that, but he put a cemetery in front of the blocked up Golden Gate, thinking that a Jewish Messiah would not want to contaminate himself by picking his way through a Gentile uh, cemetery with the dead in it. And with that, Suleiman had secured the city. Everything's taken care of. Now, this is a kind of funny story, I think, to modern years, that someone would uh, resort to very materialistic means to ward off a supernatural invasion of your capital, but I think that Suleiman is a kind of symbol for all of us as Jesus approaches us on this Palm Sunday. Getting on that donkey and riding into Jerusalem, Jesus is enacting some prophecies of old. He's saying that he is a king. And he is uh, describing and enacting the kind of kingship, the kind of leadership that he's going to enact when he takes the throne. We don't want someone to come and rule over us. We are taught almost from day one in this society that we are masters of our own faith, that we are captains of our own soul, that we bow the knee to no one around us. For someone to show up And to assert sovereignty over our lives Well, I don't know that that's someone That we would necessarily welcome into our lives Maybe we would submit ourselves to someone who is strong To someone who is powerful To someone who is ruthless even Someone who can do to our enemies before they do unto us But that is not the kind of sovereignty that Jesus presents On a donkey, he comes into the city. Not on a war horse, as Pontius Pilate and the Romans came into the city. He's coming in humility. And is humility really something that we want to submit ourselves to? I don't know. That word, Hosanna, that the crowds were cheering on that Palm Sunday, that the children in particular were cheering on Palm Sunday, uh, it means save us. uh, In the uh, psalm that it comes from, in that Old Testament prayer book that uh, the Jewish people revered, it also says, give us success. That is what many of us want in this day and age. We want to be successful. And yet Jesus, approaching our hearts, approaching our churches, approaching our society, humble and on a donkey, does not offer us success so much as he offers us resurrection. And resurrection, of course, is the most precious gift anyone could receive, but in order to receive it, we have to die first. And that's the sticker when it comes to receiving what Jesus has to offer us. Or maybe it's not so much Jesus that we have concerns about as it is the company that he keeps. All of those poor people that he fed in tow behind him, all of those lame and blind and uh, otherwise disabled people whom he had healed. Wouldn't we rather the poor and the disabled and all of those others who don't quite fit into polite society stay in the shadows, out of sight, out of mind, maybe taken care of by some kindly social worker who uh, we can use as a middleman so that we don't have our lives disrupted? But that's who Jesus keeps company with. And if we receive Jesus into our hearts and into our churches and into our lives then we don't get him without his friends he's a package deal Hosanna said the crowds on that Easter that Palm Sunday morning save us when I was uh, with my group of Protestant clergy looking across the Kidron Valley at the closed up Golden Gate one of the things I noticed in addition to the gleaming Gold dome of the Dome of the Rock were these tower cranes that were rising up over the West Jerusalem sky that were piercing the sky. Now, when I went to Jerusalem, this was 2006, so our oldest would have been nine years old at the time, and our oldest then and now had an inordinate interest in all things mechanical, things, uh, you know, engineering related, construction related. Uh, he can still, uh, just sit at my father-in-law's Footsteps and or listen to him talk about um, scrubbers <laughs> and coal-fired uh, plants, <laughs> you know, for hours on end. And so when I was in the Holy Land, I was taking notes not only of ancient architectural ruins and ancient churches, but also uh, power plants and tower cranes and things like that. Because when I got home, I knew that that's what Ethan would be really interested in. And as I was sitting there looking at the city and seeing those tower cranes. Above the skyline I thought about the construction sites That they were rising up over And you know at construction sites They had these dumpsters And into the dumpsters Goes broken pieces of concrete And stone that's been You know excavated out for the foundation And old wiring And shattered uh, Pieces of glass And drywall And whatever else The construction workers no longer need to build whatever it is they're building with those massive tower cranes. And into those dumpsters, well, that's kind of what the people of Jerusalem did with their Messiah in the week that was to come. Golgotha, which is this hill on the outside of the opposite gate of Jerusalem. Golgotha was the city's garbage pile. It was the city's landfill. And that's where the residents of the city took their household waste and broken items. And also, on a Friday morning, took worn-out messiahs that they no longer had any interest in to dispose of. That's where Jesus was crucified. That's where the crowd, when they no longer were interested in him, in him consigned them to. But God... Like some bargain hunter looking for a deal went through the garbage and the refuse and the cast-offs of the city and found that worn out broken down Messiah and said this is the one that I have chosen. You see that phrase Hosanna save us it comes from a song the previous line is this the stone that the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. The stone that the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. That that rock with the crack in it, the fissure in it, which seemed like it wouldn't be worth building on, God says, no, you're mistaken. This is the one I will build my church on. And this is the one I invite you to build your life on. And that is the invitation that we'll hear in a few moments when we come before this table. Because the one who came to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday still comes to us. He comes to us in the word proclaimed and he comes in the sacraments. He doesn't come bringing us what we naturally want. He does come bringing us what we desperately need. And if we can get over that uh, first blush reaction to him and see that he is God's gift for us, then when we receive him, When he takes control of our hearts, when he takes control of our churches, when he takes control of our lives, then all things will be given to us. He comes to us today and every day. And so I invite you today to receive him again. Receive him as if you have never received him before thanks for listening please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of jesus christ to support our ministry go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the give tab at the top of the page grace and peace be with you